All right, it's good to see everyone tonight. If you didn't get one of our handouts, we have some ushers here at the front that have them. Just lift your hand if you didn't get one. You're going to want one for this tonight, especially. All right. Oh, probably 20 years ago, I heard uh, Tom Sexton came and preached, I think in chapel at our college. And he preached a message on the power of your personal testimony, the power of your personal testimony. And I took notes from that and developed this. And now, now, do you see the just the fantastic graphics on this handout? This handout is from probably 18 years ago, 17 or 18 years ago. And um, I'm. <clears throat> this is, I, I can't remember how much of this came from Tom Sexton, how much of it I, I put together. But I think that this is one of the most useful tools for us to share our faith with people over the holidays. So, and really, any time that you get to get to, that you get together with family or with people that you know, this I think is the most effective way to give the gospel. And I'm glad we get to go over it tonight. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll get started. Lord, thank you so much for Grace Baptist Church and the opportunity to be here. Thank you for the faithfulness of your people. Lord, thank you that your that your word it gives us such instruction on everything that we need. We're so thankful for that. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right, the power of a personal testimony. Let's look at Acts chapter 1. Look at verse 6. So this is after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which God or which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And this was spoken directly to the apostles, but this is an instruction for all of us. He wants us all to be witnesses. Amen? He wants us all to be witnesses. So get your hand out. We're going to go through this together. The power of a personal testimony. Uh, one thing that is so true is the, the importance of personal testimonials. So when you see a product that's being sold, they're always trying to get someone to say, I've used this product and it worked for me. And those personal testimonials, are they're very powerful. Um, if you go and eat at a restaurant and it's terrible, well, anytime anybody asks you about that restaurant, you're going to tell them it's terrible. Isn't that right? If you eat at a restaurant and it's fantastic, when somebody asks you about that restaurant, you're going to tell them it's fantastic. And let me ask you a question. Is it fantastic to be saved? And so that's the idea here, the power of a personal testimony. How to share your testimony. How to share your testimony. First, look at your handout. What was, actually your first hand blanks there were how to share your testimony. Then what was my life like before I was saved? What my life was like before I was saved. Now, for you know someone like me, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, th that that would be a, a difficult thing for me to talk about with my family, right? Because they're all saved. Do you see the do you see the distinction? 
those of you, you kids who are growing up at Grace Baptist Church or you grew up in a church like ours and you come here now, what this is for is um, those who got saved later in life and the change that God made. And I'm going to talk to you all about how you can use this, those of us who are saved at an early age, how we can use it. How many of you noticed the way that I used my testimony in the message this morning? Right? I'm thankful that, you know, I made a profession of faith when I was six. And at that winter camp, when I, I got my salvation settled, I'm thankful that my parents had stayed faithful to the Lord through that time. Because who knows what would have happened in my life if I hadn't been in that meeting with those other young people at that moment. What was that? I was using my personal testimony. All right? And all of you have a testimony. And I, I've spoken to many of you about them. All right? Then, how I became a Christian. How I became a Christian. And you know that people who don't know what it means to be born again who are religious. How many of you know people that are like that? They don't really know what it means to be born again, but they're religious. When we talk about being saved, they sometimes think that we're talking down to them, that, that we think that we're better than they are. All right? So that's not what this is. This is what my life was like before I got saved and then how I became a Christian. Then, what Jesus means to me now that I am a Christian what Jesus means to me now that I am a Christian. And let me tell you something. That's what challenged me about my own salvation. This right here. These other young people at our winter camp, they were talking about what Christ meant to them and what Christ was doing in their lives, and I didn't have that. So look with me at Psalm, the 40th Psalm. Look at verse 1. The Bible says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear, and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Isn't it wonderful that the Lord, He lifted you up out of a, a miry pit, out of the miry clay, and set your feet on a rock? Man, what a blessing that is. What it means to me now that I am a Christian. Um, and let me say this. This kind of ties in with my message this morning. If we get oh, overwhelmed with the cares of this life, and I, I was telling uh, Jeff and Sue at lunch today, um, you know, since we're in a post-Christian nation, it, it just seems like the concepts of charity and graciousness that employers had for their employees, that that's gone. And employers many times really treat their employees horribly. They really do. Um, so, I, man, I recognize that if you're in a job and, you know, whether it's a bureaucracy or a factory or whatever it is that you do, I recognize that those cares of this world, they're real. They're very real. Um, someone was telling me this past week, a school teacher, how now all of a sudden there's a, 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 another whole layer or two of information that, and reports that they're having to produce 
on top of all the other work that they were already doing. All right, so I recognize that this world is a hard place to live in. Would you all agree with that? But the Lord recognized that when He wrote in the Bible that we are supposed to rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Now, how does that tie in with what we're talking about today? If I'm going to tell someone what Jesus means to me now that I'm a Christian and there's something different and special in my life, if I have a complaining spirit, it's very hard to communicate that truth. Is that right? And I'll tell you what can happen because it's happened to me. Um, you can get in or we can get in. Uh, it's like a, a record. Now, you kids don't know what that is, but you older folks. It's like a record and the needle is in that groove on the record. And what that, what that happens is it, that, that needle picks up whatever's on that record and turns it into sound. And whatever those grooves are, that's the sound it's going to make. Or, you know, and I know that's a simplification of it. But whatever's in those grooves, that's the sound that it's going to make. We establish grooves in our lives, ways of thinking, patterns of speaking. Have you ever found yourself complaining before you even knew you were complaining? Right? And if that's your spirit, it's very hard to go from that to talking about how wonderful Jesus is. That's where it's really important for us to have a good walk with the Lord. It's really important that we are, are worshiping Him just w- with every aspect of our lives if we're going to try and share our faith at that time, okay? So how to share your testimony. What my life was like before I was saved, how I became a Christian, and what Jesus means to me now that I am a Christian. There are five things our personal testimony will do. Five things our personal testimony will do. Number one, it should create a desire in the hearts of others to want to know Christ. It should develop a desire or create a desire in the hearts of others to want to know Christ. So look at that first point under there. It says this, uh, what accomplishes this is the miracle of a changed life. What accomplishes this is is the miracle of a changed life. And Tom Sexton, um, he Clarence Sexton is president of Crown College. He was pastor of the church that uh, Laura and I went to when I was in school down there. Um, his Tom Sexton is his younger brother, and they had been raised in a bar. Um, their father was a, a bartender, and at one point he held them out of school for a whole year, and they just lived in the bar and played cards, and that's what they did. They they saw um, their father break every bone in their mother's face, beat her almost to death, almost killed her. That's the way that they grew up. And Tom Sexton ended up, he, he was a rough guy. I mean, I, I don't, I can't remember all of his testimony, but it, he, he was rough. I mean, I'm talking like biker type, rough guy. And God just did a miraculous work in his life, changed him. God changed him. Now, I know many of you, God changed you. It, it's, it's a wonderful thing to see. Um, you know, I think about my own family. My father got saved when he was a senior in high school. And, you know, he didn't come from a loving family. Um, and dad didn't really know how to express love to us. Still doesn't. It's hilarious. Um, you go to, you know, I'll hug him. And th- you've seen this, I'm sure, from some of that generation. His hug is this. 
just just a little a little thing like that. He's just not interested. Um, I wonder what Dad would have been like if he'd never been saved. I think he would have been a cold, hard, selfish man. And God just did an amazing work in his life, and God used him. And like I said this morning, there are five of us kids. We're all saved. Spouses are saved. Uh, the, the grandkids are saved. It, it, why? Because in high school, somebody on the track team, my dad ran track, somebody on the track team invited him to church. First time he went to church, he got saved. That, that's a, a changed life. And what's wonderful about that is not only did it change his life, it changed you know, however many people are in our family. It changed all of us. And then all the people that I've had an opportunity to minister to. And then all of the people that my brothers and sisters have, that my brother and sisters have had an opportunity to minister to. Pray for my brother. He's away from the Lord. He doesn't hate God. He's just out of God's will, out of the, he doesn't go to church. And, but my sisters, they're all involved in church and ministry and um, work in Awana and all those same things that you all do. That is, isn't that a blessing? That happened because somebody invited my dad to church and gave him the gospel, and his life was changed. And so we have all had an opportunity to have a great life because of that. So the, the key here is what accomplishes this, this creating a desire, what accomplishes this is the miracle of a changed life. And to me, this lesson's very convicting because if, if my life is going to reflect the miracle of the power of God through salvation, that means I'd better be walking with God. Amen? I, I need to be walking with Him, and that's, that's a, a, a powerful thing for me. All right, uh, look at John chapter 4. This is such a great passage when we're talking about evangelism. This is, of course, the woman at the well. This woman saith unto him, uh, so... um, I think that you all know the story enough. We can just jump in right there. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. What did he say? If you knew who I was, you would ask of me living water so that you'll never thirst again. And she wanted that water. Now, at this point in the conversation, she's not really interested in a changed life for eternity. She's looking, she's looking for a changed life in this world. She's tired of going to the well for water. Isn't that right? She's tired of going to the well for water. She wanted her life to be better. And let me promise you something. With the Lord Jesus Christ, your life can be better in many ways. Now, praise God, we don't live under persecution. Some people, they get saved. When they, when they make that, that, that decision to be baptized and follow the Lord, they're signing their own death sentence. That's not us. Isn't that a blessing? That's not us. Um, for us, living for the Lord makes our life better. In every way, living for the Lord will make your life better. So when I'm sharing my testimony, I want people to know what a great life God has given me. You young people, how many times have you heard me say this? Serving God, there's no better life than serving God. I've never given up anything for the Lord. Well, I give up male modeling. But other than that, But other than that, I've never given up anything for the Lord. The life that God has given us, it's fantastic. It is just, I got to tell you, this is way better than selling siding. Made a lot of money selling siding. Could have had a lot of stuff. This is way better. 
This is way better. And so this, this point, it's very significant. What accomplishes this is the miracle of a changed life. Look at um, John. We're still in the same chapter. And look at verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that I ever did. God had changed her life. The Lord Jesus Christ had changed her life. And many of the Samaritans believed on Jesus Christ because of what he did in her life. Wouldn't it be wonderful if that was said of us? And here's the deal. God has used many of you this way already. And so this is the idea. Let's just keep that going. Then, number two. Number two. Your testimony and the power of it will take away objections to receiving the gospel. It will take away objections to receiving the gospel. There is no defense for the joy of the Lord. There's no defense for the joy of the Lord. I got to tell you something, man. It's very difficult to stay grumpy around a joyful person. And when your life is changed through the power of the Holy Spirit and what God does in your life through salvation and the, the fulfillment that comes from serving Him, when you're around other people, you're just different than they are. And here's the deal. We get our, our joy apart from chemicals. We get our joy without booze, right? How many of you know people that they cannot even imagine a good time without booze? Isn't that right? Man, we have a great time all the time. We laugh constantly. Why? The joy of the Lord is our strength. The Bible says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. The, our joy should be evident to other people. And that's why it's so important. We don't get weighed down with the cares of this life. Man, this life is temporary. Our light affliction is but for a little while. All right? Then, there's no defense for the joy of the Lord. Then, I did what the Bible says to do for personal peace and joy, and it worked. I did what the Bible says to do for personal peace and joy, and it worked. And what, can I tell you something? If you'll do what the Bible tells you for personal peace and joy, it works every time. It works better than, than OxyClean. You know, have you ever watched an infomercial and then you find out that it doesn't work like that at all? I remember years ago, um, they, they'd take, I, I saw that like for hamburger ads, they always look so juicy. That's because they spread Vaseline on them for the picture. Tastes great. It's not real. It's not real. What we're talking about is real. And here's the deal. This means we need to be receiving the peace and joy that God offers through thankfulness and through, through um, uh, being satisfied with whatever state we're in. All of those verses that we know about. If we will do what God says for peace and joy, then we can tell our, our brothers and sisters, look, man, life is rough. Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to get in the house with a brother or sister and their marriage is falling apart. They're angry. They're bitter. Their kids are turning into animals. And you guys are there and you're happy. You're joyful. Your kids are, are clothed and in their right minds. And they're going to say, man, I wish my life was like your life. You know, what, now, sometimes it is you've got such an easy life. Sometimes that comes out. Well, the way of the transgressor is hard, the Bible says. The way of transgressors is hard. Yeah, your life stinks because you're making bad choices. That's not what they need to hear. They need to know. <laughs> they need to know.
that the joy of the Lord is my strength. All right? Then, excitement and enthusiasm are so important. Excitement and enthusiasm are so important. This is why it's so important that you stay right with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Because here's the deal. Your, uh, your family members will ask you about church. They'll ask you about what you're doing. And if you're sour at that moment about something that's happening at church or with someone else in the church, man, it's very tough to be excited and enthusiastic about what God's doing in your life. Amen? That's why we need to be kind to each other. We need to be loving. We need to be forgiving. We need to be encouraging. We need to build each other up. Amen? Oh, speaking of building each other up, I, Laura took a picture of me standing between Tony and Wade this morning. And I sent that to my buddies. We got a, a bunch of preachers. that We got a, a text group or whatever, you know. So I sent it to them. And I said, I had a couple of our giants up on the platform with me today. And uh, Dalt's brother, Jeff, he said, um, it looks like a typical Big Ten guy, big and slow. And I said, why don't you, guys, why don't you come up and tell them that? <laughs> and he said, I'd rather text it. <laughs> dot, 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 from here. He's in Alabama. <laughs> oh, man. They said that next time I do that, they're just going to pick me up so that my feet are dangling in between. I guess that's, that's edification. That's lifting up, right? That'd be, that would be good. Um, we really do. We need, to, we need to encourage each other and lift each other up so that when we're going with our families, we can be excited and enthusiastic about what God is doing in us through the church and through His Word. Then, if you don't have it, you should fake it until you get it. Or like Dalton says, fake it till you make it. It's really important that we get this. If you're struggling in your faith, if you're struggling in your walk, and let me promise you something, there will come a time in your life where you're struggling with something in your Christian life. Amen? But man, it's not hell. It's not the future that is in store for your family members. So keep that to yourself. Talk to your, to your brothers and sisters in Christ about that. Be encouraged through them. But if you're in a downtime when, when you're with your lost family, get over yourself and pretend you love Jesus for that little bit of time. Okay? Until He gives you your joy back. And let me tell you, we all go through those times. And depending on your personality, you might go through it more than someone else. But I promise you this, we will all go through those down times. How awful would it be for a brother or sister or mom or dad or cousin, aunt or uncle, grandparent, to go to hell because you were in a bad mood at Christmas time? This is serious. How many of you agree that this is serious, what we're talking about? It is serious. Let's make sure that we stay right with God or pretend that we are when we're with them. Then, number three. Now, let me just clear this up for the young people. I'm not teaching people to be hypocrites. Okay? I'm not, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about behaving properly. All right? Then, Another thing that your testimony will do is it will cause people to examine their own lives. It will cause people to examine their own lives. Have you ever had somebody say this? You just think you're better than me when you haven't said anything. Why? Your life is bringing them under conviction. 
your life, your very presence, the presence of your family, their behavior, the way that they look, is it's bringing them under conviction. Now, let's not get proud about that, right? We're just beggars showing other beggars where we found bread. You know, I'm so thankful that Laura's parents wanted to raise kids the same way that my parents did so that when we get married, the way that we raise our children is the way that it was modeled for us, right? I'm thankful for that. How in the world can I be proud about that? It's something that was given to me. All of us, we need to make sure that we have a humble spirit about it. But the simple fact is, if we're happy and holy, that's going to be convicting to lost people. It's going to be convicting to people that aren't doing right. It is human nature to relate what you hear to yourself. It is human nature to relate what you hear to yourself. This is why sometimes, and we've all done it, the preacher's preaching something, and you take it personally as if he's correcting you from the pulpit. No good preacher will ever do that. I'm not going to do it. If i got a problem with you, I'll come and talk to you to your face. Man, I'm not smart enough to think about 200 people at once. Amen? But what happens is when you hear something, you take it personally. We all do that. And that's the old joke. People have said it to me, Preacher, you've been following me around this week? No, I don't need to. I've got the same problems you do. It's really important that we get this. When you are around your family... Anything you say, they're going to take it personally. It's really interesting. So let's just be careful. It is human nature to relate what you hear to yourself. Then, another thing. Our testimony should manifest the power of God. Our testimony should manifest the power of God. Um, You might want to write this down. You've heard me say it many times. Most of us never ask God for anything Bill Gates couldn't give us. Amen? Material things. Our life should, uh, Jesus said it, that a man's life consists not of what he possesses. My life is not my stuff, right? So while it's fun to talk about your stuff and what you get for Christmas, what you're giving for Christmas, you know, when we get together, we talk about our cars or our trucks or our guns or our golf clubs or our Star Wars collection. Somebody reminded me this morning when I was talking about the list of stuff that we talk about more than Jesus. I should have said Star Wars. I think we need an invitation right now. (laughs) So when we get together, it's fun to talk about things that we are interested in. But somewhere in our conversation, there ought to be a reference to the amazing, miraculous power of an almighty God and what he's doing for us. Amen. Let's look at 1 John 3, 8. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of of the devil. Um, it always makes me think of, uh, I think it's Jessica. She's um, Jerome Pittman's little girl. So I was over at, I was over in Ireland on her third birthday. And she is just the cutest thing you've ever seen. Just smart. Smart as a whip. 
and they had gone to a county fair, and they had cloggers at this county fair in Ireland. And I guess that, that the girls weren't dressed the way that Jessica was taught that a girl should dress. And so they walked into this tent or whatever, and she went like this. She said, Daddy, those girls are full of the devil. That's <laughs> just hilarious. Here's the deal. What God should do in your life is he ought to destroy the works of the devil in your life. So what are those things? That's all that that's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. That's the work of the devil in your life. And the Bible says that when we get saved, God destroys the works of the devil. So if I have the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh and the pride of life being manifested in my life, that's my fault because God has destroyed that power in my life and has given me the ability to overcome that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it's really important that we get this. My life has to manifest the power of God. There should be something in my life that God has helped me with. That when they say, hey, man, how'd you overcome this? How'd you stop drinking? How'd you stop smoking? How'd you stop collecting Star Wars figures? The power of God helped me do that. (laughs) Talking about the Lord, this is so cool. Check this out. And you've got got some blanks for this. Talking about the Lord delivers you from the power of sin. Talking about the Lord delivers you from the power of sin. We, I've said this for years and years. Um, so, guys, you've got this little girl at the office that just thinks that you're all that and a bag of chips. And she starts to turn your head a little bit. Well, if your desire is to see her come to know the Lord Jesus Christ... And every day you're praying for her lost soul. You know what you're going to do? You're going to behave yourself. You see? Your, your personal testimony, talking about the power of God in your life and expressing that out loud, what that does very clearly, talking about the Lord delivers you from the power of sin. Man, it's an awesome thing. That's an awesome thing. How about this? Man, you're just, your boss is a jerk. Don't say amen, Pastor Ann. Your boss is a jerk. Well, you can do one of two things. You can talk about the Lord or you can talk about your boss. Which one is going to help to keep you from sin in that area? Talking about the Lord. And it's the same thing with your family. Man, when you've got a family member that's about to make you crazy over the holidays, just talk about how good the Lord is. Talk about what you're doing in ministry. Find some way to direct them to the Lord and to get you off of your anger or whatever it is that you're dealing with. Practice the presence of Christ. Practice the presence of Christ. How do you get someone in Christ's presence? Better, more grammatically. How do you bring someone into Christ's presence? How do you lead them into Christ's presence? You be a witness. And you shall be witnesses of me, the Bible says. What is a witness? A witness is someone who tells what they have seen. That's what a witness does. What have you seen God do in your life? Your personal testimony will help you 
to lead someone else into Christ's presence. Then, number five, it prepares the heart of people to receive the gospel. It prepares the heart of people to receive the gospel. Um, You are born into the family of God by the Word of God. You're born into the family of God by the Word of God. Let's look up these verses. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Isn't that a good verse? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Look at Psalm 119. One oh five. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's really important that we get this. You're born into the family of God by the word of God. The Bible says, we quote it often, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. It is a wonderful thing that the word of God brings us into Fellowship with God through salvation. The Bible is a, is a vital component of it. So your testimony prepares people to receive the Scriptures. And here's the deal. You guys know, man, all of you know this with your lost family. If you start a conversation with the Bible, they're done. How many of you have experienced that? Right? But when the conversation happens because of the power of your testimony and they start to ask you questions, now you get your answers from the Bible. This is why, let me show you why we do this. Let me show you why we do this. And this is why at Grace Baptist, um, you know, a lot of churches like ours, they do a lot of soul winning training. We do discipleship training because you need to know more for your um, family members than the Romans road. You need to know where, what, why do I raise my kids this way? Why do I treat my wife this way? Why do I treat my husband this way? Why do I treat my boss this way? Why do I vote this way? What You need to be able to go to the Bible and give them those reasons. Well, that's where you're going to go when they start asking you the questions. Then you're able to go to the Word of God. If you only know a few verses, you're in trouble at that moment, right? And on Christmas Day, you're texting the preacher and you're saying, hey, where is the verse that says this? And now let me say, I hope you do that, okay? If you need the preacher, when you're giving somebody the gospel, I don't care when it is, where it is, Laura's available, Okay. <laughs> No, we, we are ready to help you. Amen, Pastor Nathan? Isn't that right? We're ready. When we say the office is closed, that's, you know, if you want to come and talk about the lights in the hallway, let's not do that. If you're giving somebody the gospel, we are always available. Somebody's dying or whatever, we are always, always, always available. But the reason that we train you is so that you can do that for yourself, right? And so that your testimony will prepare them to receive the Word of God. God's Word is His light. God's Word is His light. Our Word is our light. 
Our word is our light. So what does that mean? Well, if I have not proven myself to be trustworthy to my family members, why should they believe what I say about the Bible? You know, and that's Bob Jones Sr. He always used to say, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. All right? We've got to have our life right before we can start talking. Now, let me say this. If you wait until your life's perfect, you'll never say anything. You know, if it happens and your, your sister pushes your buttons and you lose your temper, don't think you can never give them the gospel again. It's not the first time she's, she's seen you lose your temper. Okay? Now, let me warn you. Your sister's going to push your buttons. Don't lose your temper. Your brother's going to push your buttons. Your mom, your, you know, your grandmother, be prepared for that before you go in. But if you mess up, it's not the end of the world. They're looking at your entire life, not a five-minute conversation. All right, but the the trajectory of your life ought to be different than theirs. So God's word is his light and our word is our light. Let your words show what God is doing in your life. Let your words show what God is doing in your life. And then last, someone must prepare people's hearts for the word of God. Someone must prepare people's hearts for the Word of God. And don't you think it ought to be us? We need to be those people. Now, how many of you, your family is saved? Would you raise your hands? People that you're going to be with. Now, look around. Isn't that a blessing? That's a blessing. You can still be an encouragement to them. Some of them might be in churches that aren't right. They might have some doctrine that's not right. You can be a help to them if you have the right attitude. How many of you, you're going to go to your family and there's going to be lost people there? Would you raise your hands? Man, we need to pray for you guys. And this is vital. This is vital. Um, maybe another time we'll take the same outline and the same message and apply it to people who've grown up in Christian homes and your families are Christians. And how will this help us out in the world? Because it will help all of us uh, to, to be a better witness in the world. But that's the power of your personal testimony.